It's Monday, July 13th, and you're tuned in to the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Paul, the Indians played a couple of inter-squad games over the weekend at Progressive Field. You were able to, to take in both of them. Uh, besides Yu Chang continuing to just murder the baseball and, and, and go insane with his, his power numbers, uh, what did you take away from what went on at the ballpark on Saturday and Sunday? Yeah, uh, Joe, uh, you know, uh, Sunday night, of course, uh, you know, Aaron Savali looked very, very good. Um, six innings, close to 100 pitches, eight strikeouts, two runs allowed. Um, Frank Konitz said he he pitched like a veteran. And uh, so that, that was a good sign. And I think he's, you know, when, when, when spring training two started, I was kind of, uh, I was interested to see how this, that rotation was going to work out. And, and to me, Savali, I thought maybe was the odd man out, but, you know, based on his performance Sunday night, you know, I think he's a strong, strong candidate for the, the fourth or fifth spot for sure. And, and that, you know, certainly brings into question where Zach Plesak, where Adam Plutko, uh, to a lesser degree, maybe Logan Allen all fall into place. Uh, that means Zach Plesak tonight, who who will get the start in the in the, the inner squad game tonight. Uh, you know, eyeballs are going to be on him. He's he's got to got to make an impression if if he's going to secure a spot in that five man rotation. Yeah, and uh, you know you don't want anybody to do anything to hurt themselves. Obviously, you don't want a guy to go out there and overthrow. Um, he's still got probably at least one or two more starts after this, but uh, you know. It's in in this, you know, abbreviated spring training. I mean, you've got to take a step forward pretty fast or, you know, and, and, and the alternative is what? You know, that's the question. Do you go in, you know, you can see a, a guy like Plutko going into the bullpen. He's out of options and he's done it before. But what do you do with the police act? Because do you just, uh, does he go into uh, that extra pool of players? that doesn't make the club and is, and is working out at, at Classic Park in Eastlake? Or do you find a spot for him in the bullpen? Do you, like we've talked about before, uh, do you piggyback with one of these starters if, if they're not ready to go six, seven, eight innings? So it's, it's really an interesting uh, dilemma. And it's, I guess it's like, you know, the coaches always say it's a good problem to have. Right. Yeah. I'm, Terry Francona is not, not going to lose too much sleep over having to make this decision. He'll, he'll make the decision and, and move forward and, and, and they'll deal with it, I guess. But again, it's a good problem to have. I guess the, the biggest news to come out of uh, Sunday evening then would be the, the sort of, I don't want to say admission, but the declaration from Terry Francona that Francisco Lindor will probably bat third in the order uh, in his lineup this season. Uh, and, and also he sort of indicated uh, along with Cesar Hernandez being the, the leadoff man with, in all probability, that he might stack four consecutive switch hitters at the top of that lineup. Yeah, I, um, it's, it's such a, you know, I mean, Lindor has, has batted third in, in uh, the first four inter-squad games. But if you go back to a spring training one in, in Arizona, you know, he was hitting leadoff a bunch of times. I mean, there was a couple times he hit third but it looked like he was going to, you know, stay the leadoff hitter out there. So I'm not sure what changed between, you know, Arizona and, and progressive field, but 
um, it, it seems like, uh, you know, Lindor is going to get a chance to uh, influence the lineup with his power. You know, just he's going to become an RBI guy. You know, the third spot is traditionally where you put your best hitter. And Lindor certainly has been that out of the leadoff spot. And now we've got to see if pitcher one, if pitchers, you know, change the way they attack him. And two, uh, does he feel that kind of pressure in, in RBI situations? Well, Francisco Lindor in his career has batted third in 162 games. So there was that stretch there. Uh, primarily in the, the 2016 season when he was batting third for, for Terry Francona. Uh, out of any, or, uh, any spot in the order where he's you know, had more than 100 games started, uh, batting third, he's got a 308 batting average and an 818 OPS. Uh, you know, the, the power numbers aren't necessarily there because he, d- he doesn't have as many at-bats in those situations, but uh, you know, 17 home runs out of the, the number three spot, 84 RBIs. Uh, and that's in, in basically a, a season's worth of work before he had his, his real big power surge. Uh, batting first, uh, batting leadoff in the, in the order for the Indians, he's 280 batting average with a 527 slugging percentage. He's actually got a, a much higher slugging percentage as a leadoff hitter than he does uh, at 454 uh, slugging percentage as a number three hitter. And his OPS is uh, actually higher, uh, batting first. He's 870 OPS. So you know the the numbers say the numbers say Francisco Lindor is going to be a good hitter no matter where you put him in the order. It's just a matter of what does he add to your lineup depending on where he is. Yeah, that's a good point, Joe. You know, as a leadoff hitter, especially starting games, you know he had the ability to kind of an a- ambush a hit a pitcher. You know, I think he's hit, what, uh, 15 leadoff home runs in the last two years, 15 or 16. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty he's sure. Second, in, he's in, second in, the, in franchise history right now behind yeah. Grady Sizemore. Yeah, with 18, and I think Sizemore, him and Lofton and him are tied at 18, and, and Sizemore has maybe 22, I think. Mm-hmm. But uh, so you, get, you lose that quick strike kind of capability when – when you know he can ambush you, he, he puts you up one nothing, two pitches into the game, and um, but now we've got to see, you know, he's in a little different uh, uh, position where you're you're going to trade that quick strike for his RBI potential, and we've seen him drive in runs. I, I'm sure he can drive in runs. You know, the the most he's had is I think in his career is 92. That was two years ago. Uh, so you know this is going to give him a, an opportunity not only to drive in a hundred runs, but I guess if, to be a legitimate MVP too, you know, this could. Right. Yeah. It, 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 the conversation between Lindor and Francona about dropping down to the third spot in the order, you know, was probably highlighted with the fact that you, you become a much stronger MVP candidate. If you drive in more than, you know, it won't be a hundred runs this year, but you know, if you're on pace, to, to yeah. do something like that over a 60-game stretch, uh, whatever those numbers would be. Uh, I still have to do the math to figure out what a good uh, yeah, RBI good over total 60 for 60-game season. Games. Yeah, me yeah. too. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go with the, uh, the Juan Gonzalez projections for that if, if, uh, if we're looking for MVP candidates. But, yeah, Lindor dropping down to third, as long as the top of the order can do its job and get on base, that's that's got to be a good thing, and that brings us to Cesar Hernandez, who comes over from Philadelphia, 
And the, the word that, that Terry Francona was looking for about his performance last season in the leadoff spot was, uh, you know, it, it was out of, out of the ordinary. It wasn't the usual. It was what, Paul? It was an aberration. It was an aberration. And he, wanted, <laughs> he wanted to make sure that you got uh, full credit for coming up with that word in his press conference. I, uh, Tito the other day said, make sure Hoynesy gets, gets the credit for that because he came up with it. We knew, you had, we knew we had you around there for something. Uh, Cesar Hernandez, last season, uh, you know, not so strong out of that leadoff spot for the, for the, the Phillies, but over his career, the, the leadoff spot is his, his comfort zone, really. 433 games batting first in the order, a 275 career average, uh, 753 OPS uh, in, in that leadoff spot. And really, no other spot in the order has, has he really gotten more than, you know, 75, 80, 90 games under his belt. So uh, this is a guy who's comfortable at the top of the order, who can get on base. His on-base percentage uh, in his career from the leadoff spot, 360. Uh, he, he, can, he can run a little bit. He's, he's not going to, uh, you know, sort of dazzle you with his stolen base numbers, but he knows how to run the bases. and and he can make things happen. And I think this is the kind of guy who, who Francona likes to put up there, can handle the bat and get on base. Yeah, and I think last year, if you look at his numbers, Joe, he still, what, played 160 games, 161 games, something like that. I mean, uh, hit 271, but they, they moved him down in the lineup, I think. And that kind of, I don't know if he, he, he altered his swing, and, mm-hmm. and I think that's what they were talking about with the, with the aberration. Last year, last year he only batted uh, batted lead off thirty seven times for the for the Phillies. Yeah, and uh, so so I think he got out of his comfort zone, and uh, but they put him back up in the leadoff spot. This is a guy, you know, on a one year deal. He's got he's playing for his contract, so I think uh, that this could be uh, you know a very good signing by the Indians, and he's going to have the people to drive him in, hitting behind him. You know, with you know, I guess Jose Ramirez is going to hit second. Right. Or, or why? Why I don't know. Jose Ramirez. Maybe Carlos Santana might bat bat second. Yeah, yeah, he, he could bat second too. There, there was a uh, there was a lineup that they put out there for an inter squad game earlier this week where Santana was batting second behind Hernandez in front of Lindor, and they had Ramirez fourth. But really, you could put Ramirez fifth if you want to bump Framil Reyes up into that cleanup spot. Yeah, I mean you've got you've got a lot of a lot of good hitters that you know you stack the top of the lineup with your best hitters, and I think that's what it looks like Francona is 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 trying to do right now. All right, so the the lineup may be starting to take shape. Uh, maybe we start to see. We know what the the pitching rotation is going to be at least through the the top three, uh, maybe four guys. Uh, so so heading into this second week of training camp, we're starting to get maybe a clearer picture right about where we needed to be when things got shut down uh, back in March. You know, they were going into that two-week stretch where the veterans were, were sort of starting to get into their routine. So here we are. Uh, as far as anything that went on last night, I, I think I, I, we got to mention the, uh, the unusual situation with uh, Augie Rivero, uh, the, the interpreter for the Indians playing left field uh, in the, similar, the, the inter-squad game. Uh, what did you see out of Augie, who was a former yeah, yeah. farmhand for the for the Yankees? 
You know, Augie swung hard at the plate. I know that. <laughs> Can you imagine that? You're, you're the interpreter. You haven't played. I'm sure he hasn't played baseball in a couple of years, or at least two or three years. Well, I mean, he's out there fielding ground, or, you know, yeah. throws and stuff all the time. So he's, he's, he's in some sort of game activity yeah. shape, but not, definitely not game shape. Yeah, but he looked good. He looked good in a uni, and uh, you know, I don't. I, I think maybe one ball got hit his way in left field, but in vandal it. Uh, I thought, you know, so I, I think it's just kind of a it's kind of a cool way to keep 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 things loose. Keep uh, you know, uh, Francona hands out the player of the game a hundred bucks before every game. He hands out to uh, last night. It was Greg Allen, uh, Daniel Johnson. Uh, the game before, Yu Chang. And I loved it when Daniel Johnson, he got, he got a hundred dollar bill from Frank Cohn and then left it in his uniform pants and the, the pants got what went through the washer. Oh, geez. <laughs> so, so he's probably got the hundred dollar bill hanging it from his locker drying out. I don't know. <laughs> well, and, and like you said, they, they, they try, they're trying to keep things light and, you know, reward the players with some fun stuff while they're getting their work done as well. Uh, it, it's definitely the challenge of this unusual camp. And, and sort of to keep things moving forward to the point where they can uh, be ready to play when they take on Pittsburgh. And we have some, some clarity on those, those games that they're going to be playing, the exhibition games? Well, this is what I heard. They haven't released anything yet, Joe, but this is, you know, this is what I found out. Um, they're going to play at PNC Park, according to the information I have, uh, July 18th and the 22nd. And they uh, they would play the Pirates, and they they would play at home at Progressive Field on uh, July twentieth. Okay, so uh, uh, one date in between Pittsburgh and then at home, and then at Pittsburgh again. Yeah, and would those be like day trips, or, or we still don't know? I think it, well, you know, there's there's a day between each one, uh, you know. So I, I would think, uh, yeah, they're probably. Uh, well, I don't know. I, it's a two-hour drive. I can't imagine. I got to imagine yeah. they take a bus. I don't and think you're going to stay overnight. Yeah, get yeah. in, get out of there uh, as right. quick as possible. All right. Well, that's something to look forward to there at the end of camp. Uh, next bit of business, I guess uh, we need to talk about is the Washington Redskins have officially announced that they are moving on from their. They're going to retire their name, their their name and their mascot and their colors. Uh, I don't know about their colors, but the Indians now, are they on the clock? Yeah, well, I think uh, the Indians got out in front of this by making that announcement when they did that they were considering the name change. Um, I don't think this put any ad any additional pressure on them to change the name, but I do think it's going to change, you know, in the next year or two. I think, uh, you know, that they've made that move. The, the, the wheels are in motion to change the name. And, um, uh, I, I just think it's going to happen. So, uh, but I, with the Redskins uh, changing their name, I don't think uh, that that puts any additional motivation for the Indians to act, you know, this year. I, I know for sure they're not changing it this year. I mean, but. Uh, well, I, I guess the only difference between the two is the, the Redskins had a, a an economic or a corporate pressure from FedEx, from Nike to make that change. So. Uh, you know, absent that, unless Progressive comes out and says we're pulling our naming rights, unless you know their major sponsors come out and say, you know, do this right now, or you know, you're not going to have the money, then I think 
there's less, like you said, less pressure to do it immediately. But I think it is a change that is going to happen as, as well. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it. You know, the Redskins felt the heat when the spot FedEx and Pepsi and every their big uh, sponsors put the put the squeeze on them. Well, when you go on the Nike website and there's only 31 teams from the NFL listed, yeah. I think uh, I think that's a pretty clear indication that things are going to have to change rather quickly. And and mm-hmm. you know, good for them, it did. It was interesting. I saw you know one of the potential names is the Warriors, mm-hmm. and you know I went to Marquette. I graduated from Marquette. When I went to Marquette. They were the the Marquette Warriors, right? And uh, but they changed that name because they didn't think it was politically correct to uh, the Golden Eagles. So, so I now the Redskins are might if that if they come back with the you know the Washington Warriors, I've got a you know I'm I, I like the Warriors much better than the uh, uh, the Golden Eagles. Right. Well, and then you know that that was really sort of the the second or third. A big sort of shift when that that happened with uh, with Marquette. Yeah, uh, you know the the Stanford uh, changed its nickname what fifty years ago, more than fifty years ago, uh, from the Indians. They became the yeah. Cardinal. Uh, Dartmouth made that shift uh, to the Big Green. Uh, what was Dartmouth like before? Were they the Warriors? I or whatever yeah. Dartmouth was their previous nickname. They were the Big Green in 1974. St. John's. Dropped the Redmen, they changed to the Red Storm, and Marquette uh, changed from the Warriors to the Golden Eagles in 1994. So, yeah, uh, obviously you're you're somebody you're somebody who's at least experienced a name change that's you know meant something to them uh, in in your time. But again, you were you were long gone from that school by the time you're they, not kidding, right? They were and they were glad to see me go too. <laughs> No, the bars around the wide, they, they weren't glad to see you go. No, they might have, yeah. They, they, they poured one out for you. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, all right, so other uh, big stories in baseball uh, this week. Michael Kopech uh, announcing that he is going to uh, not play. We already discussed that opt-out isn't the right phrase when, when, the, when a healthy player says he's not going to play. But he has decided to not play this season. Uh, for the White Sox, and that is a guy who they were sort of depending on for rotation depth. Yeah, guy coming off Tommy John, um, and you know, a hundred mile an hour guy. I was really excited to see him. I, mm-hmm. I, and you know, it it, it it's interesting. But I guess uh, you know, there's the 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 White Sox pitching coach came out and said he's you know, Kopech has uh, you know some depression issues, and maybe that's that's what caused him to. Uh, you know, not play this year. And uh, so I hope, he, you know, him and his family are, are doing well. I hope everything's going well for him. But, you know, what a you know, great talent. That's part of those young, that part of that young farm system or that the, that the White Sox are loaded with. And uh, I think I think everyone was excited to watch him this year. Yeah, he, he came over to white to the White Sox uh, along with Yohan Moncada in the Chris Sale trade after the, the 2016 season. So, uh, you know, that that's really your haul from that trade was Yohan Moncada and now Michael Kopech, who's already missed one full season with Tommy John surgery. So, uh, yeah, it, probably a, a a blow to that rotation, but still, they're they they've done enough in the off season, uh, you know, adding a Dallas Keuchel and and you know those kinds of things to to make them still a serious threat uh, to the Indians and the Twins this year. Oh yeah, for sure. You know Dallas Keuchel. They've got a G- Gioletti, 
you know, had coming off a big year. They got uh, the left-hander. Uh, they got another lefty Gio veteran. Gonzalez. Yeah, Gio Gonzalez, who the Indians can never beat. And uh, so they, they, they did all right. And I don't know how much Kopik was going to pitch for them anyway, if he was just, you know, kind of a, a depth guy or mm-hmm. this year, especially being re- just removed from the Tommy John. All right. Also, we're finding out uh, as, as more stories are coming out about the, the testing protocols and, you know, the, the challenges that teams are facing, just sort of navigating this whole COVID-19 uh, pandemic the Dodgers and the Nationals are finding it hard to practice uh, because local rules in D.C. and in uh, California are sort of prohibiting the numbers that are allowed to be around these people when, when they do have a positive test in camp. When, uh, when Kenley Jansen comes out and says that he's, he had tested positive, that means that only a certain number of people can be around him uh, at camp, and even if he's quarantined. They've got to reduce their numbers. Uh, both the Dodgers and the Nationals experiencing trouble in, you know, sort of having the ability to to gather and and practice at their facilities. Yeah, that's tough, Joe. And you know, we just uh, what last week a couple teams didn't even practice on days because of the slow testing results. So, you know, the Indians have been fortunate in that uh, regard. That you know, so far the camp has gone gone on you know no no impediments to the camp so you know I think they're maybe if uh, th- this will give them kind of a, a you know a, a little bit of an advantage but you know you it, it's it's just such a tough environment for all, you know all 30 teams you know it seems like it, uh, every team has lost at least a couple players that, that have tested positive we don't know about the line of the shields he's back practicing with the Indians, but, uh, you know, the way Frank Kona was talking, I wouldn't be surprised if he's, if he may not be ready, you know, t- for a July 24th and have to open on the, the injured, li- the injured list or the co- COVID more likely, list. More likely the COVID list actually. Yeah. yeah so, uh, you know, it's going to, so, you know, it's, it's affecting everybody and the key is to, to keep the virus out of the locker room and not, you know, not to uh, experience a, a big spread of it. Keep it, keep it out of the locker room, the visitors' locker room, yeah. the the room down the hall where you know five other guys are dressing. It's not just the the. There's only like five guys in the Indians' clubhouse right now. The way they've got them spread out, and uh, they've got big plastic shields up between every other locker. It's it's really fascinating the way that they've gone about sort of separating these players and keeping them. What did it, it was Clevenger who said. I only see four guys a day when I come into right. The yeah, yeah. It's like the only time I see Lindor is when I'm facing him from the mound. So, yeah. and you know, which was uh, again uh, the, my highlight of the week was uh, going to the uh, the inter squad game on Friday night and watching Lindor just hit a rocket off of Clevenger and round the bases. He was dancing around the bases, and then as he goes into home plate, he does a somersault, which everybody's seen the video of. That was uh, great. It was it, we for a second out of the corner of my eye. I'm like, "What just happened to Frankie?" And then I realized <laughs> that he was goofing around, and and everything was okay. Uh, but yeah, the, that was one of those moments where you know it can only happen in an inter squad game during a COVID pandemic at your your empty home ballpark where they're, when they're piping in fake crowd noise. Yeah, and our photographer uh, uh, John Kuntz was yes. 
John. A great shot of, of uh, Frankie uh, twirling over the plate or just about to get land on the plate. That was cool. That yeah, was a good story, good photo. That was that was good stuff. And then Clevenger reveals at the uh, in, in his post game that he told them he basically he he said you're only going to get one fastball. And Frankie said, "Go ahead, throw it. I'm going to hit it." And and did. And, and that was it. It was like, you know, not a lot of guys can can sort of call their shot like that. And Frankie did. Yeah, that's a that's a mark of a good hitter. And uh, I think um, you know it just shows you that there's some there's some, some good back and forth and some good natured rivalry going on with this club. And you like to see that. Well, and that's uh, the other thing it reminded you of when uh, yeah, when Frankie crossed home plate was a situation back uh, when the Indians used to train in Winter Haven. Yeah, definitely. Jose uh, Jose Mesa was on the mound, and uh, Omar Vizquel was at the plate and hit a home run, and and Omar did uh, a cartwheel across the plate, a little better than get a better <laughs> landing. He got better landing points than 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 Lindor, and uh, that touched off the. Uh, the 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 uh, Vizquel uh, Mesa feud that you know is probably still going on right now. If they ever face each oh. other in an old timers game, you know Jose is going to plunk uh, Vizquel probably. Old timers game or a dark alley behind a, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. a bar. You, yeah, you don't want to be Omar in that situation. No, uh, Jose was not a man to mess with. He well, was, isn't he, doesn't Jose's doesn't Jose have a kid that's coming up somewhere? I I had seen he has a. I, you know, he had a bunch of kids. I mean, he had some sons. Yeah, I I don't know if there, I think there's, there's a Jose Mesa Jr. out there waiting for the opportunity to <laughs> to to throw at Omar's kid somewhere down the line. Yeah, or if, or if Omar gets a big league job, he might let one slip and slip in, into the opposing dugout. Oh wow! Uh, but yeah, like like you said, that was uh, a lot of fun to sort of be. It, the weird thing for me watching uh, Lindor hit that home run from the press box. You know, it's it's quiet and, and, and all that, but he hits that shot, and it's, you hear the crack of the bat, and then three boots over, you hear Hammy just like, swinging a wide shot, and you could hear he got – it was he was midseason form with that call, and it was instant. Like, we never hear – during a, a regular game, we never really hear Hammy, you know, from that – Right. For now, because of all the crowd noise and the ambient noise, but it was – Real obvious to everybody in the stadium that that home when he had hit that home run. So, uh, baseball is definitely going to sound different this year once they get the games going for real. Yeah, I was listening to it on uh, MLB, uh, you know, dot com, and I I heard that 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 Hammy came out of his seat with that with wow. that home run call. It was like you're right. It was like it was midseason form. All right. Well, we're in midseason form here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. We'll talk to you again after tonight's inter-squad game uh, posted tomorrow morning. Uh, we'll, we'll give you a rundown of what happened, and we'll, uh, we'll be back here with you tomorrow on, on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast.